As a group of Latinas from the southeast side of Chicago, we created this platform because, well, we just have something to say. Join us for laughs, cries, the ups and downs, and a little bit of tea. Or cafe. So grab your cafe con canela. Or coffee. And let us be part of your Wednesday morning. I like that though. The little song? This is like kind of like a beginning part. Yeah, but it, it, but if I don't actually click it off, oh. I'll keep going. See, oh yeah, okay. So like that would actually be really annoying. Okay. <laughs> so cheers, Lila. And we are back for, with another episode of Café con Canela. Mm. Hey, hi, I'm Yesenia, and I'm Lila. And today we had to definitely add mimosas to our cafes. Hold the café. <laughs> yeah, no café. <laughs> Just mimosas. <laughs> um, you know what? It's been a long week. It's been a rough week. And we're actually recording a little late today. So mimosas, I don't even know if mimosas is right, the right thing that we should have been drinking today. But it doesn't matter because I think any hour could be mimosa hour. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, how have you been, Lila? Um, I don't know. Good. Good? Good. I mean, this past week was kind of long. Um, yeah. We did have a snow day on Tuesday mm-hmm. because we got a ton of snow, so we um, we didn't work. Well, we we can't complain about it because we've been asking for that snow. So, yeah, yeah. Like I'm I'm glad we got the snow, mm-hmm. but I was looking at the window today, and I well I was look, looking at the window Sunday, and there was more snow coming. Um, yeah, but I think aren't we aren't we supposed to be getting snow like already today? Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to be getting more. Is snow. it still coming? Because I, I don't like know. In the afternoon. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much snow we're getting, how much more snow we're getting, mm-hmm. but I am glad. I, I actually was, like, super excited at first when we got the snow. Then I had to shovel. And I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah, fuck <laughs> this shit. We I, want um, snow. I mean, I, you know, my husband works really late, so I felt bad because I think it was on Monday. I think it might have been Monday where it was, like, snowing nonstop. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Because... Like, it was, like, nonstop. So, I went out there maybe around 4 o'clock, maybe around 5 o'clock when it was, like, starting to go down. And um, it was already really high. So, I was, like, I need to shovel because my husband doesn't get home until, like, 7.30. So, by the time he shovels, it's, like, 7.30, 7.45. And it would have been really heavy for him. So, I did shovel in front. What a great wife you okay. are. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't happen often, you know? <laughs> no, but I did. I'm not going to lie. I did take advantage of it, and I made a couple TikTok videos. Well, I did it. <laughs> but, but my back was killing me. Oh, my goodness. Like, I I am so glad. And these are the moments that I'm glad I'm married because screw that. Like, I am not trying to shovel. And we don't get a lot of snow, which is good. But my back was killing me on Monday. Well, I can't say I'm thankful to be <laughs> married because I am not. But um, I am thankful that my son is old enough. Mm-hmm. And um, Tuesday he did... We, we only have, like, uh, my neighbor, he um, uses his snowblower to do the sidewalk in the front. but So we just have the walkways to shovel. So my son, both oh, my kids nice. were out uh-huh. there. One was shoveling, one was pouring the salt. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were throwing out garbage, and um, we noticed, like, the garage, like, mm-hmm. behind the garage, it needed to be, sn- needed to be shoveled. Yeah. So I told my son, I'm like, oh, 
if I call you, if I get stuck in the morning, you're going to have to come out and help me shovel. And he's like, I'd rather just do it now. So he just did it. Oh, that's good. The night before. So yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if we get the snow this week. But it was nice. My kids had fun. We had a blast. I made a couple videos with Ariel. She just loves the snow. They love the snow. So that was, that was a good. Um, but how was your Valentine's Day? Well, you know what? Galentine's Day. I will say that we didn't, we always planned to do a Galentine's Day. And we, I don't think we've ever really done one. No. And we did one this year. And oh my goodness, I had so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice. We went to Don Pedro's. Um, it was nice. Oh, I mean, yeah. it wasn't packed. I don't know if that's not good for them, but it was good for us. It was good for us. And and the waitress, she was great. So like nice. as soon as like I take my last drink, boom, she was right there ready yeah. to pour more. So shout out to Don Pedro's yes. and the service there. We and had their a great mimosas. time. Yeah, and that's probably why great. we're having mimosas today because they were so good. And I was just like. We had a blast. We had a yeah, good time. Yeah. But I'm really glad we did that. And I definitely think that we need to start definitely for sure doing Galentine's Day every year. But yeah. also we should start doing like more friends outings. Yeah. And then, you know, we've said maybe it before. One, maybe once a month because yeah. I mean, we do have children. We are busy. We do have a home to mm -hmm. take care of, unfortunately. But it's sometimes nice just to get out. You yeah. Know? Without the kids, without anything, yeah. without having to worry about anything, just go and unwind exactly for sure so i definitely had a good time especially because we're we're also two working moms yes whether i mean i know you work from home but it's you're still working mm -hmm. you're still working you're still dealing with your children you still have your home to take care of and cleaning and cooking and fucking dishes and laundry and shit like that like which feels like in, it's never ending oh never it's ending. never ending oh my it's goodness. never ending like i'll leave in the morning like okay great all my dishes are washed and i come in and it's like Every fucking bowl that I own is in the sink. Every cup is in the sink. It's like there's no spoons left. I'm like, how many bowls of cereal can you eat while I'm gone? Exactly. Like, it's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So as far as Valentine's Day, um, we ended up not really going out to eat, which I was fine with. Um, so we ended up ordering pizza, which is fine. We had pizza, we had fries, and we had chips. We we had so, we had our heart-shaped pizza as oh, well. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. We didn't end up getting the heart shape because I got the heart shape last year. Uh -huh. Which is all fine and dandy, but I'm like, okay, it is a little pricier. So we so, went to we went to Capri's. Okay, I think it was like twenty bucks. And I was gonna go to Capri's, but I think they didn't answer my call when I called. Yeah. I ordered. It early, was busy. So, like, yeah, Lewis worked um, on Valentine's Day uh -huh. from four to eight, so I er ordered probably like around twelve or okay. one for an eight o'clock pickup. Oh, okay. And right. so when he picked it up, I mean, he brought it. I was starving by yeah. then. It was like six o'clock, and I'm like, you better shoot straight over there and pick up that goddamn pizza because I am hungry. Yeah. And he picked it up, he brought it home, and it was still warm. So oh, I don't know what, what time they made it or whatever, but... I'm sure they timed it. It was good. Correctly, yeah. yeah so we good. ended up going to Isabella's or Isabel's, whatever it's called, in Whiting. Actually, no. I take that back. We were going to go to Isabel's, but I think they were closed. So we ended up ordering for beggars. Beggars is great. That, that's I what it was. Pizza. But usually, yeah, it, my go-tos are... Capri's and now Isabella's or Isabella's, whatever it's called. But beggars is when we when we actually like splurge, you know? Yeah. Because it's pricey. Yeah. Um, a special occasion. Special occasions. But yeah, but I wanted to get that out of the way. I had my chips because honestly, for you know, Ash Wednesday or for Lent, I wanted to give up chips. It, it, that and pop. I don't normally drink a lot of pop, but lately I've been craving a lot of pop. So um so that's what I ended up giving up beer, pop, and um and chips. So, so wow, beer pop and chips, yeah. wonderful. What did, did you um? Are you giving up anything for that? I am giving up pizza. Oh my gosh! So you had it. For yeah, Valentine's yeah, yet. I had to have it. 
Um, we're giving a pizza because unfortunately, like pizza is my, um, it is my go-to. Go yeah, like mm -hmm. when I'm not making dinner, mm -hmm. it's like oh, we're gonna go to route and pick up a slice of pizza yeah. with fries, you know, and um. So that's why I was like, you know what, we're going to give a pizza. Because we, as in me and my children, mm -hmm. something that we're going to do all together. Um, but that's, I, that's good that you guys are doing it all together. That'll help. What I'm going to also do is I am trying to be more calm. And not um, not let things bother me so much. Mm -hmm. um, not get upset so much. I'm, because I do get easily pissed off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to say it nicely. But I do get upset yeah. with with little things. Yeah. And I I don't want it to bother me so yeah. much, you know? Like I, I would try to I would try to be like, oh I'm gonna give up or I wanna try to be more patient during Lent. I'm not a patient person. And I would fail. <laughs> and I don't want to no, do but I, I think, don't want to fail I think that's good I, I, so here's the thing is like I know my mom always tells me like it's not always about just giving up things you know yeah because it's, about it's becoming not about a better a, person it's not about you know? a diet yeah like, we shouldn't use it as a diet correct uh, it's about becoming a better person and and I do take that into, into consideration but um, as far as the foods that I'm giving up I am giving it up because I think it will make me a better person you know I mm -hmm. um, but also I do want to help I do want to better myself and you know, be a a more positive person. I don't even know if that's the right word, but like, I want to just be more positive in the sense of like, not so. I don't know. Like, I just feel like lately I've just been so negative and so like blah. Um, yeah, just be more positive. Yes, mm -hmm. that's it. Like, and then also I did end up giving up beer, which I sh it should be easy, but then Eric comes home yesterday with freaking a case of beer. And it's like, come on. And I just bought the Michevan. So it's like, uh -huh. oh. I was like, can you not? I know, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm like, so I guess I'll just stick to tequila. <laughs> and champagne. And champagne, yes. But speaking of tequila, I was on Instagram the other day, and I saw that my girl, Kendall Jenner, and I say my girl because I am a fan of the Kardashian slash Jenners, She's got herself a new tequila. Yes, that yes. I want to try the eight one eight, right? Yes. So I guess that's the the zip code of the Calabasas. Is that the Calabasas? Calabasas zip code? Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so I know when you when you sent the text, I'm like, ooh, I'm like, I do want to try it, but then I'm a little iffy because like, okay, look, I am a big Kardashian fan. I'm not gonna lie, I love the Kardashians. Uh, and let me just make it clear. Like, I love the Kardashians because they have no talent. Zero talent. <laughs> and they're so wealthy. <laughs> they still manage to make money off of their zero talent. They're not singers. They're not supermodels, except for Kendall. But they found a way to make money. So this yeah. is why I'm a fan of theirs. So that's a great talentless, way to put it. Like talentless. me. I'm talentless. I should be yeah. able to make money. But I don't. I probably wouldn't word it the way you worded it, but you worded it pretty <laughs> correctly. Um, but yeah, I'm fans of them. For I believe that as much as people bash them, I think they are go-getters. And they are workaholics. Like, they are not... They may not seem like they work hard for what they have, but they... I mean... It cannot be easy. I know that they have teams to help them now, but it's not, it still takes a lot of hard work. 
and as much and as talentless as they are, they're they are hard workers. Yeah. So that's the reason why I'm fans of her. And of course, I mean they're beautiful, they're gorgeous, and I love seeing all the drama. Like I love reality TV. Oh, but I'm sad that Kim and Kanye are getting divorced. I am divorced. sad. I am extreme. I honestly, like, I'm devastated for them. Have any of them had a successful relationship? I don't no. know. Yeah, you're right. I am devastated for them. But um, but I, I honestly think that, honest to God, like, I was, a, I was a huge fan of Kanye. I was always a huge fan of Kanye. But something is off with him, and he needs help. I do definitely think he needs help. And I think that she put up with it as long as she could and gave it all she could, kind of. You know, yeah. I I would have probably called it quits a while ago, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it's because, you know, they have the kids together yeah. and you just want to make it work with yeah. your significant other. Um, I mean, we're all guilty yeah. of sticking around longer than we should have in For relationships. Sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, but back to the controversial Kendall Jenner tequila. Yeah, because I didn't hear anything about that. Yeah, so, yeah, so there's a lot of controversy. Okay, so here's the thing. So... Recently, Kendall Jenner unveiled her A18 line of tequila, and it's named for the San Fernando Valley area code. San Fernando? Yeah, oh. so I guess it's kind of like around Calabasas. I'm not familiar with those areas, so uh-huh. I'm just, you know, I know she lives in Calabasas, or her family's from Calabasas, so anyway. Uh, but the collection includes three varieties, Añejo, Reposado, and Blanco. The issue um, that people are having with it is, one, is that it's cultural appropriation, which I do agree with. I do agree with that it is cultural appropriation because of the fact that it is a Mexican, a Mexican product, and um, so she's not able she's, to, pro- no, to make this Mexican I, what, product. The reason I here's my thing with it is like the same hate that people were giving Nordstrom. I think it was Nordstrom that was selling freaking um uh sarapes and guaraches for God knows how how much money. Those are, those are, that's cultural appropriation. You're making money off of these things that are our culture. You know what I mean? Um, I personally, my belief is that I do think it's, I believe that as a, as a white or Anglo-Saxon, uh, celebrity, I think that they should have, what she should have done is backed a Mexican company, Mexican tequila company. Like, why don't you, why don't you partner up with a Mexican tequila company, a small business and bring and help them come up. Like, my question is though, why or where was this fight and where was this anger when all these other white celebrities were making their tequilas, like The Rock, George Clooney, yeah, um, what's his name, Justin Timberlake, uh, Nick Jonas. Mm-hmm. You know, where was that hatred then? Was there hatred? I don't know. I don't remember it. Maybe it's because I wasn't too involved with social media that I didn't see it. I yeah. don't know. You know, so. Is it uh is it because she's not Mexican or is it because she's a female? Ooh. So that's deep. That's where I come into like, all right, guys, like I get where you're coming from. And 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 I understand it, I see it, but it's like let's be fair. It's like where is all this hatred for the patron? Patron is in a, a Mexican owned company, you know, but everybody's flashing it everywhere. So I understand the whole you know, controversy against it. But I just do believe that we need to be fair and bring attention to all of them because why are we why are we supporting any of these male white or Anglo Sexton mm-hmm. celebrity tequila, tequila makers, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, so all I mean all I all I wanna say about that is, you know, let's support 
Latino, Mexican-owned, Hispanic businesses. I'm not saying I don't, I mean, I'm not going to lie that I don't pretend that I don't drink Patron sometimes. It's not one of my favorites, but I drink it, you know. And, um, but just keep that in mind, you know. Let's just support the Hispanic culture. Besides, Siete Leguas is my favorite anyway, so mm-hmm. I don't even know what I'm talking about, no. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely if you end up buying it, I will, you know that, well, I'm going to drink with you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. you know, I'm not going to turn down the shot of tequila. Right. <laughs> That's for sure. So I know we've talked a lot already. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you are all waiting for our next guest. Yeah. The child abuse segment that we did um, got a lot of viewers, got a lot of listens, was a big hit. Um, and I do feel bad for saying that I was kind of oblivious to child abuse. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people that... I grew up with were um, maybe went through it, mm, but it's just not something that's talked about. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and a lot of people did reach out to Jenny and talk to her, and a lot of people have reached out with their stories. Mm-hmm. And you know that's the main reason why we're doing this is we want to make sure to provide a safe space for people. You know, and I honestly did not know this about Jenny or what she went through. It was something that she felt safe talking about with us. And that's exactly what we want to encourage people to do is like, you don't need to talk to us about it. You don't need to talk to, we're not telling you who, who to talk to about it, but please speak up. Um, I think that it will eventually do you good and will help you. Uh, in Jenny's case, she does say that she wishes she would have spoken sooner about it, uh, but she did speak up eventually. And a lot of people have reached out to her telling their stories and telling their struggles and what they went through. So we didn't want to just leave it like that. We wanted to also touch on the people like Lila, like you said, you didn't, you were oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. And I was too, to an extent. I mean, I wasn't, oh, I wasn't introduced to any of that until later on in life. And, um, this is the reason why we have our next guest coming on. Uh, a good friend of ours, Karina Gill, mm-hmm. but she deals with a lot of these kind of child abuse cases and she's going to help us uh, see what to look out for. What yeah. are some of the signs mm-hmm. that you can look out for and what to do, mm-hmm. you know, as a person that hasn't gone through it, like how do we become advocates for these people and how do we become aware. a safe haven or aware? Or yes. aware of like, you know, I mean, how many people don't know that their child may may have been a victim or may be a victim, you know? And, and I'm hoping that Karina can give us some tips and some ways that we can tell if someone is being abused, whether it be our child, a friend of our child, a family member. Or what to do in those cases. Like, if you yeah. feel like you suspect something, what do we do? You know, so so we hope that you find this next segment helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, again, if you feel like um, you have something to, to contribute to the conversation or you would like to come on, please let us know. You can message us at Cafe Con Canela Parques at gmail.com or you can message, message us on Instagram. Uh, feel free to reach out. So, yeah, so we're looking forward to see to hear what um, Karina has to say and what tips and advice she can give us. 
um, and being aware of the whole situation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Café con Canela. Hi ladies, how are you? Hi. So today I'm here with Lila and a good friend of ours, Karina Gill. Hi Karina, how are you? (laughs) Tired, I know, right? We were talking a bit ago and I'm like, don't fall asleep. We're all feeling a little tired, but she actually has an excuse. She's carrying another human being, which hopefully we'll be get to we'll get to meet very, very soon. I'm really excited. I think sooner than she thinks also. I know, right? <laughs> I, I see the nervous my fingers that it's not too soon. <laughs> yeah. What are you right now? 30, 35 weeks? 36 as of Saturday. Oh my gosh. How exciting. Oh, I kind of want another one, but then it's like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> I think I'd be, I think I'd be okay. I think I'd be okay if it was after my baby shower, which is next weekend. That definitely would be a good, a good thing. Let's, let's at least aim for that. Aim for at least Sunday, maybe Monday. Aim for Monday. 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 Right. Aim for Monday. <laughs> not Saturday morning. Stop. <laughs> no. Stop with the Saturday. <laughs> I know, right? so um as you can tell we're on another zoom call so please bear with us with the sound well today i um we really wanted to have you on karina and thank you so much for coming on because last week we had a very unexpected uh topic come up uh jenny shared with us an experience that she went through as a child and the responses that we got from that segment were i mean to me it was a little it, it, it was crazy to me because I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that people felt, um, comfortable opening up and speaking up about it, but it's sad to see how many people have gone through it. So I think that that's what was, uh, a little scary to see, like, wow, like it it really touched a lot of people and we didn't want to just leave it like that. We wanted to make sure to follow up on it. And as a mother, um, that has a little girl, um, and little boy, because it can happen to both, you know, uh, has little kids. I, you know, uh, my concern is what, what is it that we look out for? We try to do the best that we can as parents to prevent things like this from happening, but you, you can't, you can't be everywhere. You can't be everywhere all the time, you know? So, so to touch a little more on the subject, um, we do have Karina joining us who is, who works with victims and survivors of child abuse and sexual child of sexual abuse. Hi Karina, can you tell us a little bit about your position um, and how long you've been doing it? And, and I guess kind of like let our listeners know what are some signs that we can look out for? Sure. Um, So I have been working Um, I guess not only in the field of child abuse, but really in um, the agencies that I, the one I work for now and the one I worked for before really focus on child abuse and child sexual abuse. Um, So for 15 years now, um, and I started, I kind of have done a lot of different things. I started with uh, coordinating cases, scheduling, talking to families directly uh, when it was time for them to come in for uh, interviews that are related to the investigation. Um, My title now is MDT coordinator and family advocate. Um, So as a family advocate, I'm working directly with the families affected. 
um, uh, what I did right before I left my last agency was um, I was in the education and training department. So for four years, I worked out in the field, out in the community, talking to different professionals um, who work with and around children, um, youth organizations, social workers, teachers, doctors, kind of anyone really who would have us um, about signs to look out for um, in potential perpetrators. So adults and older youth who might abuse, um, uh, potential behaviors in in victims, so children who might have been abused or might be at risk of being abused. Um, I think that what we know is most kids don't tell with their words, what they do tell is with their behaviors or a change in their behavior. Oh, so we talk so a lot about that. Yeah, <laughs> it is, but a lot of times- Such a, such a, lot a of difficult field to work in. Like, I, I just don't know how you do it. But um, we need more people like you in this world, you know, because it needs to be done, you know? Yeah, I think that um, it's certainly difficult, um, but I think it does take a certain type of person to do the work. Um, you know, there are people who ask me, if, who used to ask me, I guess, more back when I was doing it years ago. I've, I've been here for such a long time that, or in this in this field that it's, I think people are used to hearing about it, but um, people would ask me, do you cry all the time? Um, do you want to go out and like, look for these people who are doing these things to kids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think that I've ever had those feelings around it. Um, I think that it's a very rewarding job, even though it is really tough. It's stressful in many different ways, um, but it is also really hard to hear the stories. But at the end of the day, it is very rewarding, right? You're like helping kids get through something really tough. So what are some of the common um signs that you see in yeah so I think what we really talk about with kids is a a change in behavior um most times I think you mentioned earlier most times it is someone who is either in the family or close to the family someone who is known to the person or the child um very very few times is it a stranger um wow. you know they want to have continued access, as terrible as that sounds, they want to have continued yeah. access to that child. So um, it is someone who gains the trust of not just the child, but of the family, the parents, the community. Um, they, they want to be that trusted child in that person's life because it doesn't happen from one day to the next, right? It isn't like, oh, this is a child I'm going to abuse and it just happens tomorrow. It kind of happens over building a trusting relationship over time. So, you know, if a child is not wanting to go around a certain person all of a sudden anymore, right? Um, I don't want to go to, you know, the babysitter's house anymore. Um, it's really important to ask why not, what has changed, what's happened, because I think a lot of times parents are so, so busy and wrapped up in their busy lives that like, you have to go, I have to go to work, like this is where you go, this is the babysitter's house, right? But we don't Or we're quick, or we're quick to just say, oh, it's a berrinche, you know, they're just being ready, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that a lot of it is cultural. Um, instead, you would, you know, we don't think to ask why, what's wrong, what happened, did something happen, right? It's just like, a, like you said, it's like, oh, they're just being bratty. They don't want to go. They're having a tantrum today or whatever. Um, but it is really important to pay attention to that as one of the signs. Like, do they not want to go around a person that they used to like going around? Um, are they more clingy to their parents? Um, are they not wanting to be al alone around a certain person. I think you also mentioned 
um, that it would sometimes happen when others were around. So 80% of child abuse does happen or child sexual abuse does happen one-on-one, -on -one, but it's not always when they're alone. It could happen, you know, when others are in the house, kind of in the corner, you know, off to the side. Um, I think it's, it's so scary. Yeah, it's their way of like, you know, convincing the child that it's like maybe not wrong or bad because it's happening when others are around. 90% um, of children know their abusers. Um, for Chicago, that number was more 96% of children knew their abusers. So oh my goodness. Like, my God. Oh, yeah. I cannot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, other behavioral changes is like, you know, everyone always thinks of bedwetting as like the most common indicator, like, oh my gosh, if they're bedwetting, it means they were abused. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's happening. I think bedwetting, what it tells us is that there's a trauma in that child's life. So something has changed for that child. Um, I remember years ago, a woman um, in a parent group shared that her child was having accidents at school. She kept like wetting her pants at school, but it would never happen at home. And when mom finally asked her like, what's happening? She said the teacher yells a lot. So oh, that was triggering something, something that was triggering that. Mm -hmm. Right. So it wasn't necessarily child abuse or child sexual abuse. It was that something had changed in that child's life. Something was affecting her. Um, and that's, that was her response. Um, some of the like other things that people think of are like um, nightmares. Um, so trouble sleeping, um, not wanting to separate, like I said, from their parents. Um, yeah, just not being comfortable around a certain person. Um, if a child is really outgoing and really happy, all of a sudden they're withdrawn and themselves, or the opposite. If you have a child who's really quiet and all of a sudden they're rebellious, they're acting out. Um, I think we hear that very commonly, right? The child's acting out. Um, so what is causing that behavior? Um, and again, as a, you know, as a parent, sometimes we brush it off like, oh, it's the, the terrible twos or the, you know, teenager threes or whatever they call it, the three nagers, or it's like, we, we're so used to hearing that there's a time frame that kids are always just going to rebel and be bad and misbehave. And, mm -hmm. um, we tend to brush it off sometimes. Yeah. I think that's easiest to, um, the easiest excuse for adolescents, right? So teens it's um, all teens are going to be rebellious. They all go through this stage. Um, so I think that that's the, probably the easiest group to apply that to is they they all go through this stage. Um, I had another which, woman, go ahead. Which actually our guest last week said that that was one of the reasons why she did rebel, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and she was always known as the rebellious cousin or the rebellious one in the group, you know? And it's, and it's just like, you know, I, she was going through trauma. Yeah, you know, she said it was that—that's a sign. Right. That there's a reason for the rebellion. Yeah, there's always a reason behind the behavior. You know, I had a—I had a supervisor once who said there is no such thing as a bad child. The behavior comes from somewhere. Um, we just have to take the time to stop and ask. And I think that a lot of us don't stop and ask. Um, it's just it gets brushed off as something else. Um, I had another woman who shared in a group too that during her teen years, um, she was seen as the bad kid, like you said, the rebellious one. And she said she was being abused by a cousin, but never told her parents because she was scared oh of how God. they would respond, right? So 
she said, I knew that if I told my dad, I'd kill him. And when she told at like the age of, I don't know, like 40, that was his response. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how old, like when it happened, I will kill him. So, you know, even though she was going through something, she didn't want him to get hurt because he's still family and she still loves him and cares about it. Right. Um, But she said, I never told with words when it was happening. She said, but I told through my behavior. She said, I had bad grades. I got in trouble at school. I talked back to my mom. I was always locked in my room. So all of those different things, again, I think are things that people think of. They're just being rebellious. They're just being teenagers. And here she was crying out for help without words, but no one asked her what's wrong. They asked me what's happening or what's wrong. I would have told them, but if I got in trouble at school, my mom would yell at me at home for getting in trouble at school, right? So where was that, that question of what's happening? Why the change? Because yeah. she said I need to be good. And then all of this started to happen and I didn't know how to tell. Yeah. And, and when you, you know, you mentioned that she was afraid of, you know, her, obviously it's still her family and she doesn't want her cousin to get hurt but also i'm sure she's also thinking like i don't want my dad to be in jail you know i don't want my dad to and and that's uh i think a common thing too that people don't want their parents or anybody else to get hurt it's like Mm -hmm. they figure they're already getting hurt themselves they don't want anybody else to get hurt and it's ah it's it's heartbreaking a lot of times when kids do come forward and tell um it is typically because they are trying to protect someone else so if maybe the abuser has moved on to a different child or there's a threat that they will move on to another child. Um, if there's a younger sibling or a younger cousin, sometimes that's why they come forward to say, you know, I see that he's spending a lot of time with this person and that's what he used to do to me. So I'm trying to protect them. So sometimes oh that's why they come forward is trying to protect someone else. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I know you mentioned too, that there can be signs to look out for for possible people that can be abusers um, abusers mm-hmm. yeah so um you know someone who is spending a lot of or wanting to spend a lot of alone time with a certain child um like i said a lot of it happens during one-on-one situations so are they looking to spend extra time with with a child um that may seem innocent right it's not like oh my god i want to take them into a bathroom but it may be that um, they want to take them to the park all the time, or they want to take them somewhere special, or, you know, they have, they claim to have a special relationship or a special bond. Um, sometimes we see this with like sports, um, a coach who says like, oh, this kid has a, has a talent. So we're spending a lot of time together to build that talent. That's why I want to be, you know, want to be around them all the time. Um, and that's, you know, something else is happening. They're spending a long time for a reason. Um, same thing with like, like I said, family members who say like, oh, that's my special little guy, or that's like my special girl. We just have this bond. We have a special relationship. And, you know, people, most people don't think that it's going to be anything because that person is trusted by you, right? Someone you love and trust. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So who wants to believe that their brother, their cousin, their sister is doing something like that? Most people don't want to believe that, right? So if, um, you know, if you're at a, let's say a family party and there's an adult who kind of always gravitates towards kids and kind of being around the kids, um, that should be like the person that you're kind of keeping an eye on as to like, why, why do they want to always be around the kids? Um, it's, it's, they're looking for those opportunity. It's like the, 
what has been called grooming behaviors. It's building trusting relationships. And, and you know, sometimes they, they pick on the most vulnerable, right? So um, wow. if an only child, if they are kids of single parents, if they are kids with disabilities, they are very young children. Um, they look for that bad kid because they know that they're probably the kid that's not gonna be believed. Um, because, you know, I'm this trusted person and you're this kid who always lies or gets in trouble. So who are they going to believe near you? Oh, wow. It's so heartbreaking. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to take in, you know? Yeah. They, I mean, perpetrators definitely know what they're doing. <laughs> How much time do people like this get? Like, they don't get a lot of jail time, do they? Because, like, I don't know if I've heard cases that, like, people go to jail for, like, a couple of years only, you know? Yeah, and charging cases like this, I think, is really, really difficult. Um, excuse me, especially in Cook County. <laughs> um, I used to work with someone who joked and said, "If you ever want to get away with a crime, do it in Cook County." Um, oh my god! Funny. <laughs> it's fucking I mean, terrible. It's it's really hard to um, prosecute the, prosecute these types of cases. You know, it's it's the child's word against the adults. Um, I think I work with a lot of families who are who will say like, why do we have to go through this whole drawn out process? Why can't they just go and arrest this person? That's because it's really hard to prove that these things happen. Um, and and I would if, think as a parent, like I don't want to put my kid, I don't want my child to have to relive this over and over and over and over and over again. Like just, this is what was done. My child told you, go get this motherfucker. And that's that. Like, I don't want, I, I just can't imagine having yeah. to make my child testify in a courtroom against someone um, and having that person there. Yeah. So I think that sometimes they can get charged, but I think the, the difficult part is like actually getting prosecuted. If that yeah. makes sense. Um, so it's, you know, when I explain it to parents, when they say like, why can't you just go out and arrest them? It's that the state's attorney really has to put together this case, um, almost like wrap it all pretty with a bow on it so that they can get a conviction. Um, so when I tell them, like, it's almost like a pieces to a puzzle, right? Yeah. They can't, they have to talk to the child. They have to talk to any potential outcries. You know, did the child tell a teacher? Did the child tell a relative? Did they tell a friend? We need to talk to all of these different people who can corroborate the child's story. Um, and they also have to talk to the person who's being accused. So, you know, if they talk to the child, nobody else corroborates. And then this person is saying, no, I didn't do it. The child's lying. Um, that's not going to go well in court because no one else was there to corroborate that story. So I do tell parents, you know, if you really want something to happen to, with this case, then you have to kind of let all those steps happen. Um, once someone gets arrested, they only have 48 hours to hold that person. So the time starts ticking from the time that they get arrested. So it's almost better to do this kind of longer drawn out process than do the like immediate arrest because if they can't get to all those people and interview and give this nice, beautiful package um, of the child's story and all those who know about it, then it's almost like, well, we ran out, the clock ran out and we weren't able to get enough evidence. Yeah, and you went through all that for nothing then. Right. Oh, so disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. What a, yeah. Um, I don't know if 
this is something that you can share, but is there one story, one case that like will stick with you forever? Um, well, there are now two. Um, one from my old agency, uh, when I first started, there was a teen. She was a teenager who confided in her dad that her uncle was abusing her. Um, and once she told dad about the uncle, dad started to do it. <gasps> oh so, my God. So it was, you know, instead of her being protected, protect him, he took advantage of a vulnerable situation. So that I'll never forget. Um, and then the other is, um, that's, it's still in court. It's still kind of ongoing. Um, so I, I mean, obviously I can't share details of cases anyway, but it's, it's a case of, but it's like child pornography is involved. And this dad who was completely distraught initially did not want to cooperate with the investigation because the person who abused his daughter is, um, was his best friend, was his compadre, right? <gasps> He's like, he's godfather to wow. not just my father, but my son. He's like, this is how much I trusted him. He's, he's father, you know, to both my kids. Um, he originally, like I said, didn't want to cooperate. He didn't believe kind of some of the allegations that they were telling him, um, things that he was doing. Um, the police ended up going to the mom to try to see if they could be, like get them to cooperate that way. And she, um, I think was a little hesitant as well. They had a really close group of friends and I mean, obviously that person was in that group. Um, and so they didn't want to believe, but I think the way they got to that operate was through the mom. She ultimately said like, I'm, I'm willing to talk to you guys, but we also want to see what you have, kind of like what proof you have. Um, so they did end up showing them some things, obviously not like the images, but they told them some of the things that they had on him. Um, and yeah, because, this believing, because believing her kid wasn't enough or what? Like, her, I don't, I don't get it. Her daughter wasn't talking. Her daughter didn't tell. Oh. So this came to light because they found child porn on this man's computer. Oh, yes. So they, of course, were like, we don't believe it. We don't believe that any of this is happening. Um, this family was asked to have their child interviewed because their child was one of the potential victims. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it turned out that she was abused by this man. And it actually took us three times to interview her before she actually talked about anything. Um, she was also protecting him. It was someone she loved and trusted and was, you know, was her godfather. And was, she knew how close everyone was. And she, she was very young. She was like, I think like seven or eight. Um, and yeah, it took us bringing her in three times for her to finally decide that she felt ready to talk to us. But I'll never forget that case. I'm still working with that family. and. And that's crazy that being so young, she still thinks about protecting this guy. Like, uh, how at that age do you know that that's, you know, that's what you, not, not that you're supposed to protect your abuser, but you protect your family. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would be like, nope, that was wrong. You know, you would think that at that age, that's what they're thinking. Like, no, that was wrong. You're not doing something good. So you should get in trouble for it. But no, she's, I don't well, know. I think it goes back to um, it goes back to that process of these people um, grooming, right? Building those yeah. trusting relationships, yeah, right. and and it didn't it didn't start right away. It was you know they they had a special bond, they had a special relationship, and 
it was her padrino and she saw him as someone who she trusted and her parents trusted and she loved, who, you know, a lot of times abusers make this out to be a game. So this is our special game. This is not something, you know, they don't say it's something bad or wrong. So when it starts when she's very young, she doesn't see it as something that's wrong or bad, right? And I think a, another mistake that parents make is we don't talk to kids about the dangers of child sexual abuse and, totally. and that the person who can hurt you is someone who you love and trust, right? It's always the- A bad when guy. Did, a stranger. Stranger dangers. Strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I would ask parents to share one thing with the group of what they've taught their kids about staying safe, most people said, um, if someone offers you candy in the park, or if someone says I've been kidnapped, if someone says, you know, they come to the door and they want to talk, like people always brought those things up. You don't open the door. You don't talk to strangers. You don't go with somebody without knowing, but you don't, t- we don't talk to kids about what about the person you do know? What about mm-hmm. the person you love? What about the person I trust? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's always about, about strangers and it's yeah. crazy because I heard um, recently too, I, somebody was saying, I saw a video or something about how they're saying that in the eighties and nineties, they really, really like embedded it in our heads, like stranger danger, watch out for strangers. Don't talk to strangers and do this. And this lady was saying how, when she was a little girl, she was lost and crying and she didn't ask for help because everybody always told her, look out for stranger danger. So it's like, we need to be able to know how to talk to our kids and explain things better. Like, like you said, like, it's not always going to be strangers. It, it can be someone, you know, it's like, it's, it's the fact of if it's something that you're not comfortable with, or it's something that's a no, no, that you, you do not want, then it's wrong, no matter who it is, you know? Yeah. Um, my cousin always, um, she says she always talks to her two girls. She has two girls. And she said, I always talk to them about this stuff. Um, I know what happens. I, they need to be able to tell me, you know, um, and I, she said, I do talk to them about it. It could be anybody. Um, but, you know, she always says, you can talk to me or you can talk to Tia Kari, right? Like you can tell her she's someone you can trust if something like this happens. And I tell her too, like, I'm not a dangerous person, but they also have to know that if I ever do anything that makes them uncomfortable, that they can talk to you about something I did, right? Like it needs to be across the board, doesn't matter who it is, right? Like, yeah. You know, if, if one day they want to hug and I mean, I want to hug and they tell me no, and I force it and they're uncomfortable, they should be able to say like, Hey mom, I know Tia Kari's safe. However, she hugged me when I didn't want that. Right. Because and she hugged me too tight and too long. Like, yeah, whatever yes. it was, even if it wasn't yeah. a creepy, yeah, I mean, you know, even if it wasn't a creepy tight hug or anything like that, it's just, I told her no, and she didn't respect that. And that made me uncomfortable. So yeah it should be across the board with anyone. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. Like, you know, you should be able to tell me um, and we should be able to tell our kids that. Yeah, that's a good point. So many, so many things are cultural, right? And so, mm-hmm. so hard to have these conversations. I mean, when I did trainings with parents or groups with parents, I always shared personal experiences because I feel like people can connect to that. Um, and, you know, I would say I had to have a tough conversation with um, my cousin. A few years ago, her son is a teenager. He's probably like 16 now, but you know, he came, they came over to my aunt's house, which is her mom. And he had this face as soon as he walked in the door, like he just did not want to be there. And I'm the one who opened the door. So he was like, she, you know, she told him, did you say hi to Tia Kari? Did you give her a hug? And he was like, uh, no. 
And she's like, what did I tell you? We just had this conversation. You hug everyone. You say hi to everyone with a hug, you know? And I was like, uh, you don't have to hug me. And I let him, and he like bolted out of the room because he knew I gave him his out. But that was an uncomfortable conversation for my cousin and I to have because, you know, I told him he didn't have to do something his mother had told him he did have to do yeah. in front of him, right? So and that's, that's a cultural thing. Even though abuse is still happening and it's happening a lot, that's partially why numbers have gone down is that people are talking about things like this. People are making these rules about body safety. Um, you know, I think that the numbers a lot of us grew up with were like one in four girls, one in six girls, and now it's, you know, one in 10 kids will be sexually abused before 18. And Great. so it's still happening a lot, but it's happening less, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. um, there would be older people in my, in my groups who would always say like, oh my God, why does this happen so much? It didn't happen when I was a kid. And I was like, well, it happened. People just didn't talk about it. Yeah, right. Um, you know, we didn't have, you know, groups like I was putting together for parents, like, oh, let's all sit around and talk about child abuse and child sexual abuse. Uh, we didn't have things like this, right? You're, you're on a podcast talking about it kind of very openly. Um, people just swept it under the rug or people just didn't talk about it. Like, yes, I believe that this happened, but guess what, uncle so-and-so or cousin so-and-so isn't going to come around anymore or like at the party you just don't have to say hi to them anymore but they're yeah. still allowed to come around <laughs> yeah exactly or we just won't have we just won't invite them anymore like right they're still out and about in general you know mm -hmm. we just won't invite them anymore <laughs> i mean well, it's, that's, it's not that's the first the problem yeah i'm sure other other people in groups have said that too like oh they just stopped um inviting them to the parties so, it's absolutely a thing right. yeah we're gonna keep it in the family we're just not gonna involve the police we're not you know and I understand like I get it people don't want to get other people in trouble that they love but what is the message that we're sending to that child yeah. I believe you but yeah I'm not gonna protect you I'm not gonna help you I'm not gonna do anything about it yeah well I, I am glad to hear that the numbers are going down um and again it, it it is something that needs to be talked about more and hopefully um more and more parents are having these conversations with their kids um i know that i've heard time and time again too about um being able to uh talk to their kids about the actual names of their body parts uh that that's very important so i mean yeah hopefully i mean i just hope that it becomes something that is not always is not brushed under the table anymore mm -hmm. you know avoid it because it makes people uncomfortable to have this conversation you know let's talk about mm -hmm. it you know yeah i think that's the hardest thing is um people think well what if my child tells me this and i confront this person and it's not true and they get offended well i mean who cares if they get offended right mm -hmm. like it's where where are you putting that importance on like offending the person or believing the child right, right. So, protecting yeah. your child like yeah and i think a huge piece of it is believing the child right like that's where healing starts is being believed um sometimes kids have to tell several times before someone believes them right so that's that's where it starts is believing them yes i believe you now let's do something about it and is this um like, is this what you went to school for? You went to school for social service, right? Or is um, my major was sociology. Mm -hmm. um, initially, my major was psychology. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then maybe like 
two years in, I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. It was like, <laughs> so much, like biology and the brain. And I was yeah. like, um, so I, I remember they told, someone told me to go see my like counselor. Mm-hmm. And so, or my advisor, they're called in college. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> I went to that person and she was mm-hmm. like, so tell me what you want to do. Like, mm-hmm. let's start there. Like what type of work do you want to do? And, you know, I said, helping people is kind of mm-hmm. what I've always wanted to do. So she mentioned sociology to me and I didn't know what that was or what that meant. I didn't know that that was like a field or a study, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my major was um, sociology and then I had a minor in family and child studies. So I, that's where I kind of learned all about child abuse and mm-hmm. you know, human behavior and all of that. How could you do this every yeah. day? Like, I, I, I do feel like I would cry every day because I can't let things go um and I think I would yeah like I don't know be mad at parents be mad at those parents that I don't know are not protecting their children or not you know not believing them I think I'd be mad at that like yeah, probably send like text messages or something. Like I don't know, but I, I, I just I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that it would be easier to be mad at the parents who don't believe or who maybe like sided with the abuser. But I'm not mad at the parents who maybe missed it, you know, because it's right. very easy to miss. Right. And um, by, by not protecting, I meant more like after your child funny. has told you or showed signs, and you just like. <laughs> because you don't want to deal with it so it's like uh we're ignoring it no no you cannot do that you cannot like that I don't know yeah um I think that's something that's really hard for people to understand and really believe is that not every person who abuses a child is sick in some way um that they're not all pedophiles I think every we all want to put a label on this um and a lot of times people who abuse kids it's about opportunity it's about um knowing that they can keep their uh, victim quiet by the use of either secrets or threats, um, that they know that they won't tell on them, right? Um, It's about power, power and control, kind of like domestic violence. It's that I have more power than you. I can control the situation. What can you do? Like I said earlier, like I'm an adult, you're just a child. Um, I've also heard stories of like, maybe not so much adults, but like teens abusing younger family members and okay. because they were abused or because they're being abused. So it's like, I mean, I don't know why they would think like, okay, I'm going to go abuse this child, but I've heard stories like that where it's so not I, necessarily an adult, but. I will comment to say that the numbers of children abusing other children so older children abusing younger children is going up um so it is more of the teens adolescents abusing younger children but it is not always the case as some people believe that someone who has been abused will go on to abuse so I think that that's that's something that a lot of people believe and think right like they're doing this because something happened to them or something must have happened to them Mm -hmm. again I think it's about that that opportunity, the fact that they are curious, that they are around a younger child who either can't talk, can't tell, won't tell. Um, you know, it's that it's that kind of same situation of like, it's, 
oh, it's just the game we're being, ex we're exploring, um, but it's not always that something has, ha has happened to them. Okay. So Karina, is, is there any number that, um, that either uh, someone that suspects a situation or a victim that wants to come out that, that they can call to report yes, anything? So, so anyone can call the child abuse hotline. So for Illinois, the number is 1-800-25-ABUSE. Um, again, that's specific for Illinois. Um, if you know of any anyone going through abuse, you suspect something, um, you don't have to be a professional, a mandated reporter, anything like that. Anyone can call that hotline to make a report. Thank you so much um, for coming on and for speaking on this subject. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the work that you do, honestly. Yeah. Happy to be on. Um, I know that it's a tough subject, but I'm I'm always happy to talk with more people about it. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, it means that we are going to try to help someone in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Someone sees this, hears it, feels empowered by it. So happy to happy to be on. Yes, exactly. And I would like to have you on again, um, maybe a little later, just to I don't know, maybe maybe there's more information that you can give us. To... Oh, wait, we would just love to have you on so you could talk about how it is to be a mommy. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> Give me a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> She'll make her debut soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll give you a few weeks uh, so you can catch up on uh, on some sleep <laughs> and be able to function and speak uh, without crying. No, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I keep hearing sleep is not something I'll find once I have a baby. So <laughs> you won't, you, hey, you know what? Some babies are really good at sleeping through the night. Mine weren't. Yeah. My niece oh. was really good actually. Yeah. So. Oh. Oh. And, yeah. And I know that one thing that people always say is like sleep when the baby sleeps, but it's like, it's so hard. You have so much to do that you can't sleep when the baby sleeps. Maybe you could close your eyes for five or 10 minutes, but it's like, there's all these things going on in your head. Like, this needs to be washed. This needs to be done. This needs to be picked up. Like you can't, <laughs> but yeah. good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you Thank need you. anything, if you need anything, of course we're here. So let us thank know. You. Thank you both. Uh, well, thank you so much, Scotty, for coming on and yeah. we will touch base with you soon and we'll see you Saturday. <laughs> yep. Saturday. Thank, thank you all bye. for listening. Hasta la próxima. Until next time. Bye. bye. Coffee with the cinnamon. Café with the cinnamon.